Hi, we're Cardigan Academy, your helpers for all things mental health, parenting, and education. I'm Devani. And I'm Stacy. And today we're talking about offering and accepting help when things get tough. It is now almost the middle of August and July was rough. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you can tell by my voice, it's still not a hundred percent, but basically both of us, Stacey's mm-hmm. family and my family have been going through some stuff for us. The beginning of July is the anniversary of our daughter Violet's diagnosis. 10 years ago. So while I anticipate that, it also often still hits me by surprise that I just have to carve out some time for that. And then my husband had an outpatient surgical procedure, which went really well. But then my cell phone went through the washing machine, so I didn't have a phone. (laughs) And then my whole family got sick, non-COVID. But yeah, I guess basically I was just looking at the calendar, like how is it August? Yeah. And I think it's compounded by the fact that we are, what, 17, 16, 17 months into this global event. Definitely. I really want to swear right now. (laughs) You can swear. Oh, no, it's the big one. That's okay. I think there's just like a little E. Some of the podcasts I listen to have a little red E next to them for explicit. (laughs) Maybe I just have to find that setting and like check it off for us. (laughs) I'm so sick of this fucking pandemic. Like I'm so over the pandemic. I just, yeah. I So the stuff we've been going through has been COVID related. Uh, Our family has, I don't even have the words for, we have been so careful. So careful. I don't know that I know anyone that has been more careful than your family has been. Thank you. Yeah. It's just, that's validating because it's, we haven't gone anywhere. And, you know, for this whole time, one person has left the house. We always mask up. We We all get vaccines, you know, like we're all vaccinated, thankfully. But yeah, my husband wasn't feeling well and had a killer headache and was tired. But that's easy to chalk up to just working a lot and doing a lot, you know, and but then it was like, oh, feeling a little bit run down. And I think in this pandemic world we're in, everyone sort of freezes, just like when somebody coughs and everybody collectively, you know, holds their breath. Oh my gosh, is that COVID or, you know, that sort of thing. It's just, I think we all, our whole family just froze and said, "Uh oh, do you think, you know, so he took a rapid test and then a lab test to confirm and had a positive result. And so thankfully we're all vaccinated. And so it was mild, but he isolated for 10 days. And when you have spent 16 months or like, I really should do the math. Is it 16? March, April, May, June, right? Like 16, 17 months spent that long doing everything in your power to not get this thing. And then it's in your house. There's a, there's a mental, I don't know, like it was just very disorienting and I don't know if disturbing is the word, just, it's just, you've spent so long avoiding this thing. And now there it is. I I almost felt, it felt surreal. It felt like I was oddly calm at times, but also, I don't know, just, he stayed isolated and we took food outside his door and we all wore masks and we all got tested to make sure we were okay. All negative, thankfully. So yeah, this was all happening (laughs) 
overlapping my stuff, your stuff around the same time. <laughs> and I'll throw out there that you were sick without you got, you didn't have COVID, but you were way, way sicker. Like yeah. Mark's, Mark's symptoms have been mild. Yours were very, I think much more severe, even though it wasn't COVID. I was coughing and my kids mm -hmm. too. Um, yeah. So I think either way, like anybody getting sick right now is like, is, is it, isn't it? And mm -hmm. the emotions with it when it is, or just dealing with being sick when it isn't, we just, we expected this time in the summer to be a time when for cardigan academy we could do a lot of the catch up and you know it's like life just waits until you're like oh oh that's cute Devony, oh look at Devony and stacy planning to like catch up on loose ends let me just shit all over it <laughs> yeah that's how it's been because yeah and then there's just been a lot of people we care about going through a lot of stuff. It's like, I often feel like I just want to tell the universe, okay, got it. Enough. Whatever's going on. Yeah. Like, I can understand why people are like, is something going on with the planets, the moon? Because like, it does just feel like, what is <laughs> happening all of a sudden? And I guess I'm thinking a lot about what is the most helpful when shit hits the fan? What, is help, what has been helpful for us mm -hmm. in different times in our life? What is helpful when we're trying to support others? And then I was actually interviewed. I looked it up. I was interviewed for a podcast in October 2017, and the episode never never published, which is funny now that I'm on the other side of this. Whatever happened? <laughs> what is the story there? I don't really know. But mm -hmm. the reason we were talking about it is because in this podcast, what I was going to talk about was how to support someone when, you know, in our case, it was anticipating the death of our daughter in 2011, but it's applicable to anything. And I really wanted to call my podcast episode Beyond Thoughts and Prayers because, you know, someone's struggling and everyone thinking of you. And my whole thing since 2011, when my daughter died, has been great. Think of them and do something. Do a thing. Yes. Yes. Both. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Towards the end of that off the recording, we ended up talking about religion. And I was saying that I feel like I'm a good person, even though I don't go to church. And this was after the episode, you know, we had stopped recording. And the, the one co-host told me that I can't know that I'm a good person because the only the only person that can decide that is God. Ugh. I'm sorry, did I, did, did the quiet disgust come out my lips? Like, it's possible that's why, it's possible that's why my episode never aired, even though that wasn't part of the episode. I wonder now, like, was it how we left that? I don't know. And if it was, sounds like she decided whether or not you were a good person. Yeah. I can attest that you are a good person. That's well, thank you something abundantly clear to me is it's uh i look around me and i just a, a good person is a good person if they're religious or not religious honestly has very little to do with whether or not they're a decent person it comes through for other people that's I, it's been a huge lesson i've learned in the past 10 years it's it's weird to me if people be like oh is the mechanic christian i'm like i, I don't know can you fix your transmission right. like <laughs> like it doesn't but people will put this thing on it and assume that if there's this label it means this person is good and as long as we're talking about when shit hits the fan mm -hmm. i mean that's when you see the good people show up and religion i have found has very little to do with it so anyway 
Yeah. No, it's fine. It's just now we could now it's four years later and we have our own podcast. So we can revisit this topic now on our <laughs> podcast. So and we can call it Beyond Thoughts and Prayers. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. So all these heathens out there that listen to our podcast can learn about serving others and being right. a decent human from outside of a religious scope even. But yeah, yeah. This, it's just been a past month. And I, I, the thing about the planets in retrograde or, you know, whatever's going on, <laughs> are we all in retrograde? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's my turn. I, I don't know. It's just been like, it, sometimes I feel like it's what you're going through personally, what your friends are going through. Mm -hmm. I, so, there's just sometimes these stretches where it just feels like seriously something else like I have seen so many of my friends go through stuff recently it's mm. been a really tough couple of weeks and then on top of that you've got the Olympics coverage and all that stuff about like Simone Biles yeah mental health being at the forefront which I think is amazing to see I love seeing the stigma get you know, torn down like that. Um, but it just, it feels like it's, then you start feeling like it's everywhere. It's, it's, I'm dealing with stuff. You're dealing with stuff. Our friends are dealing with stuff. My word, the gymnasts are dealing with stuff in Tokyo. And it's just, it starts to feel pretty global. Mm -hmm. We talk often here at Cardigan Academy about the importance of community. And mm -hmm. sometimes that's joining us for a clue and talking about childhood trauma and sometimes it's bringing someone a meal or just showing up like showing up in a helpful way we got violet's diagnosis and we were told at that time that she might be born alive and if she was she might be born early and she wouldn't live long after birth when she was born but she also could have died at any time in utero so july 2011 to november 2011 when she was born and lived two beautiful amazing days and then died were like this limbo of i don't even i mean we're still processing it 10 years later and i remember sometimes people would show up with a meal and i didn't even know i was hungry until it was in front of me <laughs> <laughs> and then i just felt loved there is something about sharing food yes as mm -hmm. humans it's so much more than the act actual act of nourishing your body i mean that's part of it but the warmth of it the fact mm -hmm. that i mean sometimes it was takeout and that was totally fine too and sometimes someone had prepared something for us and i didn't have to think those nights of how i was going to feed my husband who was working full-time mm -hmm. to almost two-year-old toddler who also needed mom to be functional in her grief and myself and the baby that was growing inside of me so wow so I think often about those meals, like we still remember particular things that people brought us. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I really love what you said about there's something about it. And I was thinking, you know, what is it? As you were talking, I was like, what is it? And I, it's like one of our most basic human needs is to be fed, right? You need food, shelter, clothing, love, mm -hmm. and there's food and love wrapped up together. Like we need to eat to live. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a basic human thing that we can help another human with like i i also find that to be one of the best ways it's one of the best ways somebody can help us too is I, I, part of it is that that human need but also it, it it's what you were saying like i don't have to think about it i don't mm -hmm. have to decide i don't have to like we love food in our family we love cooking we love eating but there's so much more to food than just there it is it's preparing and getting the ingredients and the thought and the decisions and that may not be much on a day-to-day -day basis, although I think it is. It is. 
It is. <laughs> but like when you're going through something. And even more so. So much. Like yeah. I, it's bandwidth and spoons and all those phrases we use to talk about how much we can even concentrate or think or focus. It's, it's one less thing. Mm -hmm. it's, it, to me, it's an, it is an enormous help because that one thing being taken care of, it's so much more than a meal. It frees up that brain space of all day wondering what yes. you're going to make and what you're going to eat. <laughs> I often will tell my family on a just hectic day in general, I need to decide what we're having for dinner. And if I haven't yet, it like runs on a loop in my brain. Yep. yep. And I think like, what could I spend that mental energy on otherwise? In fact, we started doing Blue Apron, the meal delivery service years ago and still do it weekly because that's three meals that mm -hmm. I pick from their choices and I don't mind still cooking it, but that I don't have to think about what's it going to be? Is it balanced? Do I have all the ingredients? Oops, I didn't buy enough of this, whatever. All of that, it takes mm -hmm. off my plate and I love it. And that's, you know, that's just day to day hecticness, not dealing with something major. So yeah. So how much more when you are dealing with stuff, which, you know, is why people help that way. I, when my dad died, I was, even though, you know, it's coming, there's still this shock and you're dissociated. You're not all there. You're, you're physically there, but you're mentally somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And my mom lives in a condo building. So when my dad died, she had a neighbor who simply baked a loaf of, it was cranberry orange bread or something like that. And it was just sitting on the table because he had dropped it off. And I remember sitting there in that stupor, you know, and looking at it and realizing I hadn't eaten and mm -hmm. realizing I didn't even stop to think if I was hungry mm -hmm. and it being such an easy thing to slice and butter and eat. It was right there. And it was so much more satisfying than a handful of cheeses. Yeah. Yeah. It's very elementary, right? I haven't eaten. That is bread. I can slice and eat it because when yeah. you're grieving, you're in, you're just not all there. And yeah. so it was just such a helpful thing. And he may have thought, I'll just make this loaf of bread for them. But I, I literally ate because of it. Mm -hmm. I also remember looking back and at the time, I don't think I was able to differentiate what was helpful and what wasn't. Mm -hmm. But now looking back, I, there were a lot of people who said very well-meaning, if you need anything, just let us know. <laughs> and I was not in a place to delegate. Right. Like I couldn't even think about what we needed to do on a daily basis. So I certainly wasn't thinking about calling someone to say, hey, could you whatever? For mm -hmm. I just couldn't. And so there is support there, but it is often unused because that person might not have the bandwidth to even know what they need. Yeah. And, and I, and grief is a whole, a whole other level. Um, because I remember when I've been dealing with grief, I can relate to what you're saying. I'm thinking about when my husband had emergency abdominal surgery, and then it turned into two bouts of C. diff colitis, which was oh. absolute hell. I mean, it was just awful. And so this is like a, you know, it just dragged on to this like two month long thing and it was scary and you know, not knowing what was wrong and CAT scans and he's not sleeping. And it's just, it was so much. I remember that that not being grief, but, but being stressful in a different way. I did have the wherewithal that time. And maybe cause I'd already gone through the grief of my dad's death and whatever, but I remember grabbing a notebook and I started to write down when people would offer something. That's such a good idea. I'd never done that before. Mm -hmm. I just, 
I just knew I couldn't think and I, I wouldn't have been able to recall who offered help. Who was it that said that? Right. So I, I literally just wrote down this family offered that if I need a meal and this family offered that if I needed a ride for the kids or I wrote it down and just having it there was already a, a comfort in the sense that it was almost like this directory of help. Yeah. And I felt less alone because of the, the, the offers were there and I, know, I knew they meant it. It's not always easy to ask for help or take someone up on offers of help. Mm-hmm. But as life has gone on for me and as I've done my own healing work and working as a therapist, like I, it would just be so hypocritical. You know, we tell people sometimes I kind of hate that we're like, reach out and ask for help because I feel like it's just one more thing on that person. Yeah. <laughs> and also I think there are people in this world who have reached out and asked for help and were met with crickets. Mm-hmm. So there's all that too, but just, um, I would feel hypocritical if I didn't practice also accepting help. Yeah. And so it was not easy for me, but I did go to that list. I consulted that list more than once and I did reach out and say, you know, actually you had mentioned this and that would be helpful. And mm-hmm. I remember feeling a little uncomfortable and a little bit embarrassed. And I remember being so <laughs> grateful to be able to do a specific thing and know we were helping you too yes almost delightfully helpful (laughs) not that i was delightful in what you were going through but like right i knew a thing that was helpful now and it was it was just good for all for both of us i think i think you had done the thing that i I know you mentioned as a way to offer help of choices i can bring a meal i can bring groceries if you need anything and you checked in more than once which helped keep you like on my Mm-hmm. the periphery, you know, and I, I remember writing that down and I it did get to where I did need, you know, milk and a couple things. And I, it was hard to leave because he was having issues like every hour yeah. and I had the kids and ugh, just, I remember saying, yeah, like we could use groceries. It was so nice. Like you showed up with groceries and I, <laughs> each thing was like one, le- you know, when you're going through that, it's, it's not just getting groceries, it's getting in the car and driving to the store and walking through the store mm-hmm. and having to think and worry about what's going on at home. And like, and then you run into someone who says, "Yes, how's it going?" Yeah, I can't, I can't, no. And then you burst into tears. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> it's just, it's so much. It's the groceries plus so much more. Mm-hmm. And I think about what you just said as well. With sometimes when I'm trying to gear myself up to accept someone's offer of help, I remind myself that when I offer someone help, I do mean it. And when they take me up on it, I am delighted. Mm-hmm. I am so happy that they called when you say to somebody you know if you're having a hard time call me or you know if you need something tell me or listen i'm here let me know and they do i'm never upset no i'm never like oh here they go doing the thing i told them they could do (laughs) (laughs) i'm always just like it is the word delighted is perfect Mm -hmm. i I'm so happy that they asked. And I try to remind myself of this. This is how I feel when someone takes me up on it. Someone has offered me something. And when I take them up on it, I am hopefully yep. they are also going to feel the same way. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And I admire people who ask for help and who admit when they're having a hard time. Like like we always say at Cardigan Academy, feel your feelings. This is how we process them. There's no such thing as bad feelings. They're all there for a reason. But our society wants everybody to be unicorns and rainbows. And, you know, oh, if you post that you're having a hard time on social media, now you're vague booking or you're attention seeking or so when is it okay to say, hey, I'm having a hard time Mm -hmm. when we keep giving the message that it's not okay to say that it is okay to say that. And, and I guess when I do see people say it, my thought is, wow, 
that is amazing. What courage, what bravery, what a great thing they're modeling mm -hmm. to it to say, I need help. Yeah. Also, we often see things go, to, you know, how, how often has stuff happened in the world where someone has taken their life or something and people say, I wish. Yeah, I wish I would have known. Yeah. So people want people do want to know i it's it's not easy and it's not comfortable but if we're gonna say please share when you're having a hard time we can't be criticizing people when they share that they're having a hard time and i think beginning to look at it as wow how amazing this person knew themselves so well that they knew they had reached their breaking point and they said something or did something to get help uh, I don't think that's a weakness. I think that's a strength. Yeah, we're going to talk about how how to offer that help, the different considerations that you can just have in the back of your mind as you are offering things, because we are all different and even an experience might be different, right? Like it could be totally different, like you said, when your dad died versus when Mark was going through something medical, because Mm -hmm. even the time in your life is different. And so sometimes we're also thinking about supporting not just the person who's going through the difficult time, but their family. If you can support their family, that allows that person to have bandwidth to support them mm -hmm. better. Yeah. And this is just that real hands-on help that actually makes a difference for people. And I, I'm being honest, I, I've grown to kind of hate the phrase thoughts and prayers and I have been glad to see this be a phrase that we now call out mm -hmm. in the world. It's become something that, no, that's not enough. It's not enough. It's There's a plenty of social issues in the world. Like we can't just keep having school shootings and say thoughts and prayers mm -hmm. and think and think it's enough. It's not enough. And we can't just say, oh, darn, those poor homeless people, thoughts and prayers to them. Yeah. No, we need to do something. We need to structurally do something. We need to societally change something. Mm -hmm. And that also speaks to what we're talking about on the more personal level for those of us in the United States, especially. We don't particularly have a society and culture that has a lot of supports in place for people who are struggling. And there's this mentality of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we look at people down on their luck as if they've done something to deserve it. That has the, the I think it's got the roots of that are in this puritanical, if you do something good, you're blessed. And if you do something bad, you're punished. Mm -hmm. And it, it's so messed up because the more we learn about trauma and make sure that we're trauma informed and we understand what people have been through, it's not, what did you do? It's what happened to you? Mm -hmm. Disease, bad luck, sickness, grief that people just it sometimes life's just hard and it sucks and we need help and we live in a society that doesn't have a whole lot of that and on top of that there's this heap of judgment so i think that when you and i devony talk about ways we can support and help people it is even more necessary and meaningful because there's already there's not a lot of help in place to begin with uh -huh. i understand that when people say thoughts and prayers or when they pray for someone that that is meaningful to them uh -huh. and i can appreciate that and i understand that they mean well towards myself or others and i can appreciate that as well but it's just not enough i think i having grown up religious and not being religious now i i understand like there is some kind of thought that like if you pray for somebody you've done your part and you're done now right. and now you've put it in like god's hands or whatever but i i guess when i think about that i'm like okay so that makes me feel better right like if i'm the person who's praying let's mm -hmm. say the person it makes me feel better but what have i actually done for that person i understand there's a belief mm -hmm. that you have somehow 
called upon blessings to rain on their head. And that fine, if somebody wants to, they have the right to think and believe that I just don't have a society that has enough support that that is enough. We need to do more. It's like the thing you and I always say about both things can be true. Mm -hmm. So somebody can be religious and truly think about someone and pray for them. And I know they're filled with love and good intentions and all these things when they do that. And you can take them a meal. Mm -hmm. You can send them a note and let them know you're thinking about them. So don't just do this one thing in private that makes you feel better. Right. You can't, you can do that and it can still be appreciated. I'm not, I, I don't even mean to be dismissive of that. Like it's just the name of this podcast episode is beyond thoughts and prayers. Mm -hmm. So do that and plus. do that yeah. plus. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we have tips for offering help. We'll also talk about how that looks when you're on the receiving end too. Mm -hmm. I think it's helpful to consider what is helpful to them, not you. Mm -hmm. It's a lot like gift giving, right? Sometimes there's something we really like. And so we're like, oh my gosh, I would love to get that as a gift. So I'm going to give it as a gift. Okay. But does that person like that mm -hmm. thing? what would be helpful for them? You can consider what is it I'd like to do, but the focus is them. What is going to be the most beneficial to the person who needs help? I would have loved someone to come over and help call insurance when we were going through everything with Violet. But I do think that someone might feel like that's crossing a line. And so when I offer to do something, I try to have the person that I'm helping in mind. Like what does their life look like and what do I know about them personally that might need to be taken into consideration? Yeah, that's important. I think I always want someone handling insurance because I hate insurance mm -hmm. companies with the fiery passion of a thousand hells. And that's something someone could do from their own home too if you gave them yeah. the information. I had people offer to come over and clean our house and I know because of the way I'm wired that I would have felt obligated then to mm -hmm. have a snack for them or offer them a drink mm -hmm. or you know make sure that Evelyn was napping so we would have time to chat or whatever the case may may have been back then and it just didn't it felt more intrusive I guess and that's important to know for the person that you're helping and to know about yourself when you're accepting help or deciding what would be helpful um, I'm with you on that like even just on a day-to-day -day basis I love the idea of someone coming to clean my house because I don't like cleaning mm -hmm. but I like a clean house mm -hmm. and so I love that idea, but I am so uncomfortable. In my mind's eye, oh, I can sit and get work done while someone's here cleaning. Won't that be lovely? But the reality is I'm completely uncomfortable the whole time they're there because I don't feel comfortable just sitting while they're yeah. working, even though I'm paying. Like, it's just, it's my own issue. It's my stuff. And the same thing when people used to offer when I had a baby to come and watch the baby so I could sleep. And I was like, I can't let someone take care of my baby while I'm sleeping. Like, I don't know. I just couldn't turn off that mm -hmm. mom brain that the baby cries. Yeah. I'm still going to hear it and feel like I need to respond. I don't know. Yeah. Offer, but don't push. Mm -hmm. And I've always appreciated offers, but I, I can think back on times in my life where people have been honestly pushy about what they think I need and that I, you know, and being resistant or stubborn, but I might know deep down what the reason is that's, you know, gonna maybe doing that thing is going to make me more anxious or whatever. So like when my kids were little and I was struggling with depression, well-meaning people, I suppose would be like, oh, you know, maybe somebody could take your kids so you can like, no, that would, I can tell you right now that would have made it worse, not mm -hmm. better. So no, <laughs> no, I'm not okay with that. 
Yeah, I would have appreciated someone dropping off a box of things for Evelyn to do, perhaps. So maybe don't yes. take her, but drop off Play-Doh and sticker books and yes. kid-friendly snacks so that I don't have to think. Yeah, it's like almost like parallel play. Like you're there, you're present, there's something and there's something new and, you know, engaging for her. I was okay with letting people watch her when we had appointments, of course, mm -hmm. because I needed them to. Mm -hmm. But I was very much like that where if someone wanted to take her, here I am anticipating the grief of losing another child. Yeah. There were emotions tied up in that. Yeah, no, that completely makes sense. You probably wanted her close by. Mm -hmm. Knowing that and knowing that people know their situations best, offer, but don't push. That's, I think the pushing can cause more anxiety and stress. They may feel the need to explain yeah. why this doesn't fit. And that it's just not, again, yeah. they don't have the spoons to be telling you why it doesn't work for you to come and fold their laundry mm -hmm. tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And they shouldn't have to. I like to give a couple real concrete specific examples of what I can do. And it's funny that you say I did that with you because I don't remember <laughs> doing that, but it, it is in my head of something that I try mm -hmm. to do, you know, so saying, can I bring a meal or can I run the kids somewhere? So you're giving them specific options. I will say if you have a preference from where I can pick you up dinner, I would love to hear it. But just this past week, I was taking a meal to a friend and I didn't hear back on a preference. And so I just went out on a limb and figured any food is better than the perfect meal of their choosing, right? Like just get it there. And even if they throw it in the freezer and they have it next week and the cranberry orange bread also reminded me, it doesn't always have to be dinner. Mm -hmm. like put together a box of snacks for the kids, put together a bunch of healthy options for breakfast put together. I remember having someone drop off a meal and when they did that, they offered to clean out the fridge. And it was a friend I felt comfortable enough doing, letting do that. But again, it would very much depend on who it is. Yeah, that, that experience of it being, because uh, I usually think dinner as well. And I think that that loaf of bread uh, has become a thing now that when someone I know is going through grief and loss and they're close enough that I could take something over, I tend to do something more along those lines because yeah, I just remember how yeah. helpful that was. And I figured they're going to get a lot of meals. And so having stuff on hand like that. And when Mark did go through his surgery and I had that notebook of people I could reach out to my dear, sweet friend, Linda, who I love with all my heart. It was emergency surgery. I was very alone. I was very scared. You know, when you don't realize that you haven't like breathed, you know, uh -huh. you're, you don't realize how much you're holding something in until something. So I'm standing there taking this all in. It's the first time I've gone through anything like this. I was by myself, literally in that family waiting room for when someone's in surgery, there was no one there. There was nothing on the lights were off. I sat in there with like his stuff, you know, patient's belongings bag. And uh -huh. I just felt so incredibly alone. So I went home and let the dog out, all these different things. So anyway, you're, you, you know, you're getting, getting his toothbrush and calling his parents and doing all these things. And so you're in that mode, right? You're getting the stuff done that you can, but you're in that stupor of fear, worry, and shock and stress. And here they are, they're bringing him into the room. I just remember this moment. I, I turned because I noticed someone in the doorway and there was Linda. Didn't even know she was coming. And it's that kind of a friend. She didn't even tell me she was coming. She just saw Mark's going through this. Stacy's going to need. I'm there. And that, that's, I know her. This is what it was. And when I saw her, I burst into tears. She hugged me and it was like, I did not know how much I needed her and needed that until that moment. Mm -hmm. It's nice when you have those friends who you are comfortable with, who 
who know what you're comfortable with and know they they know you you're maybe emotionally kind of similar and mm-hmm. they know this is not going to be overstepping it's just i just remember that sense of absolute relief to see her face someone who loves me who knows i just needed a hug and needed someone there it just meant so much to me to see her yeah and i think if you are unsure check in and then continue to check in so Mm -hmm. you can show up and then say is it okay if i'm here is it okay if i stay a little bit longer and yeah just checking in and reading it's like consent right like just because they said yes i think i'd like that doesn't mean in the moment they wouldn't be like overwhelmed by it i had a friend who would give me foot rubs while i was pregnant with violet I would have never thought to do that for Mm -hmm. someone, but I'll never forget that because I was being touched in a lot of ways, a lot of medical ways during this pregnancy that felt just very, you know, and my body wasn't entirely mine. It was taking care of this baby who wasn't going to live long and I was getting ultrasounds and it just felt so nice to be touched in a nurturing way. Mm -hmm. But it is something that, that you can check in and say, I would like to take your kids for the day. And then maybe they say, okay, but then maybe that morning you ask again. Yeah. I want to be sure that this is still what you're feeling today. No pressure so that they know that they can change their mind too. That's beautiful. I love that comparison to consent. You're right. Just checking in. Plus, if you're checking in a few times, you're also making sure that they know that eventually when they do say, you know what? Yeah, I think I am tired and thanks for stopping by and I think I'm done now. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be easier yeah. for them to answer that now that you've asked a few times. Yeah, that's really good. Right. I like that. So I went down a little side story there about I got caught up in the moment thinking about Linda and yeah, it was a fun her. I was just like, I was so swept up and thinking about it. Just I remember, oh, I just love her. What I was going to say about this is because she and I have a tight friendship when Mark got home from his surgery and then started having all the issues with the infections and things. Mm-hmm. And then she was someone I felt like I could say, you know what would be really helpful? And because of that experience of the loaf of bread with my dad, I was like breakfast things and snacks and things to grab that are quick and easy and ready. And she came over with all those things. Like she just brought, she's like, I wasn't sure. So I got all this stuff. Like it was just a whole bunch of stuff. And it was absolutely perfect for when things did get busy and was between meals and was a quick thing and breakfast, things the kids could grab. Like it was so helpful. So yeah, other ones are like, like offer to go let their dog out offer to or maybe their dog doesn't like people so maybe you offer to just open your garage and i'm gonna grab your lawnmower and i'm gonna cut your grass so you don't have <gasps> things like that, that. right <laughs> yes you could have like a whole menu of check one or two that you would like us to and maybe if your strength is organizing maybe you are organizing Mm -hmm. people to bring meals so you are that point of contact i had that in my friend group too like we would get an update about violet or my health during the pregnancy i would tell her and she would pass it along to everyone else so i didn't have to keep Mm -hmm. repeating it over and over again it was hard to answer a lot of questions specific to the medical stuff yeah i've actually been that person that point person we used to to it was like the family spokesperson that you see on the news that comes out and makes the statements to the press (laughs) and it was exactly that it was just saving the person from repeating the same thing over and over again to save some of that bandwidth and spoons and i did organize meals and childcare and those sorts of things just having somebody sort of handle it and it's nice too if you have someone that you can go to like that and so you Mm -hmm. can say to them here's what i'm comfortable with here's what i'm not here's what i need and you can be super honest and then that person can handle it like that's great keeping in mind that you don't ever want to take on more than you're able to do because some of these things can start to go 
longer. Sometimes you don't know, you know, you think that you're organizing a meal for a couple of weeks and then maybe things continue or maybe they need help long term. And so maybe you have some ideas of people you can trade off with. That's a really good thing to point out because when we do overextend and we don't have boundaries for ourselves that we're respecting, which is hard to do sometimes when someone's really going through stuff, you know, mm -hmm. but you can have this building resentment. And I think when you start feeling resentful, that's a sign you're doing too much. And technology is your friend. There's a lot of websites that allow people to do scheduling or meal trains or nowadays, even with like grocery delivery, like when you were talking about how I picked groceries up for you. And I think, wow, now because of the pandemic, I could be putting an order together for you and pick it up. And yeah, I guess what I'm saying is there's more systems in place that we should utilize, whether it's technology and spreadsheets or websites or apps that allow us to organize. I also used Caring Bridge was, mm -hmm. you know, I would update regularly what was going on medically and then people could log in if they had our password to read about it. And again, I just wasn't repeating. So look into some of those resources too, if you are taking on the um, organizational side of things. Oh, and quick side note, I know you, I've known you for a long time. We've been friends for a long time, but of course doing Cardigan Academy work together. We've gotten to know each other so much better and we talk to each other every single day. And I didn't know before the pandemic and working with you, your feelings about how much you cannot stand grocery shopping. <laughs> oh, no, uh, no, 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 seriously delighted. No, no, I know that I'm saying that makes it even more meaningful Aww. like because i remember you saying now that there's grocery pickup and delivery you i remember you saying during the pandemic i'm never going in a grocery yes, store again yes you're like <laughs> i would be perfectly fine never setting foot in a grocery store again and i'm like wow and she brought me groceries like that makes it no i specifically remember i had waited until rob was home and it was did you send him no <laughs> not only did i get to go childless <laughs> I think that's where my aversion to grocery shopping has come from. Yeah. Like, we, we homeschool, so I continued to take my kids to the grocery mm -hmm. store for both of them, often, regularly, for a very long time. <laughs> but that one was one of those, like, um, I kind of felt like I was getting away. Yeah. They were like, oh, got to go do this thing. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is great. I love this. It's like, I feel like I get this added little, I don't know, this added Insight, element to yeah. this that makes it all the better. So I'm so glad. <laughs> but it brings up a good point that because of the world we live in technologically, there are wonderful ways to help people who live far away too. And mm -hmm. I remember in the past feeling like, ah, oh, if I were close to them, I would X, Y, Z. And mm -hmm. now you can, you can have a meal delivered. You can, you know, DoorDash or Grubhub. You can send something from Amazon, a comfy yeah. blanket or nice socks or something for the kids to do. Like, yeah, I remember doing that for a friend of mine when her mom died, she lives across the country. And so I did, I got a fuzzy blanket and can't remember what else, maybe I, things I knew she liked. And I tried to think of comforting things and mm -hmm. I could have it sent because that is the world we live in. When, again, when Mark was going through that surgery and those infections, I remember um, our dear, wonderful friend, Jimmy, sent us a gift card to, I think it was Longhorn Steakhouse. He, and because you can go on the internet and plug in the mm -hmm. zip code and see what's there, he, he, ha yeah. he handled it, sent it and said, 
you know, I'm not close enough to make a meal. And hopefully this is one less meal that you have to make. Don't feel like you have to do it all at once because chances are a lot of support rushes in and then a lot yep. of support goes away. And so don't feel like you've missed it. If it's been a month, Yeah, it's still helpful. And appreciated. And yeah. so stuff like gift cards, like we were able to use his gift card on one of those later nights where the meals weren't coming in as often. Mm -hmm. Or like you said earlier, there is a lot of stuff coming in and you freeze it. So those gift cards and those frozen things can be helpful later, maybe when mm -hmm. things slow down a bit. Yeah, because I know that that can happen where there's sometimes you get the help up front and it can sort of trail off. Mm -hmm. I try with people in my life to remember to check in on them several months later, yeah. six months, nine months, especially with especially with grief. I also try to make a point of just reaching out when the person who died, when it's someone I know, when I think of them, Mm -hmm. or saw a picture or something, I yep. some I will just reach out and be like, I want you to know I thought about them today or share mm -hmm. a story because I know that when my dad died and people would reach out, I, I always loved hearing stories. Give me more, you know, yeah. trying to keep in mind for myself too that it, just like I know the help is up front, even when I'm on the giving side of things, I can also be somebody who helps <laughs> up front and then maybe, you know, I don't want to forget it, but it's pretty natural to you know, right. things trail off. So I try to either make a mental note or write it in my calendar, like yeah. check in on that person, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, later. And along the same lines of, you know, not feeling like you have to do it all at once. I also want to give anybody who's listening to this in retrospect, thinking back to a time where maybe they felt like they dropped the ball. I do that a lot. Like, oh, I could have mm -hmm. shown up more or I should have. First of all, we always say at Cardigan Academy, don't shut on yourself. And remembering <laughs> that just because you weren't there for a certain someone at a certain time doesn't mean there won't be other opportunities to support that same person through other things or support like it's a learning experience too and so there are times when we either can't or we don't for whatever reason and i guess i'm just um giving you permission to let go of any of those regrets of times that maybe you wish you could have shown up in a different way and you weren't able to yeah and i think i try to remind myself too that if everyone does what they can when they can we're all going to be able to help each other it is okay to recognize it goes back to like recognizing our boundaries and our limits with things and again we live in a world where people will say Oh, well, they have the privilege to X, Y, Z. You do not know someone's heart. You do not know what they're going through mentally, emotionally, financially, mm -hmm. physically. You have no idea. And so I, I, I like, I would like to believe the best in people. I try to, I think I mostly do, especially again, I think it helps when you're trauma informed and you understand what makes people the way they are. It does give a little bit of grace, even though we all need to do our our work and do our best and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes our best is, you know, not much because that's all we have in us and that's okay. So accepting that you're not always in a position to help, what helps me with that is remembering that if, if everyone does what they can when they can, Mm -hmm. I don't have to have this guilt about stuff I haven't done when I haven't been as able to. As long as you are doing it from a place of truly wanting to love and support, like I think it's also good to just check in and make sure that you don't have any conditions to what you're giving and you're not doing this so that, you know, well, then when I go through something, people those same people better, you know, no strings attached, I guess is what I'm saying. When I do something for someone, I don't do it to get a thank you. I think that often with baby showers. And I always forget to say, I always forget to tell people, don't put whipped cream on my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and I always forget to tell people when I give them a baby shower gift, don't write me a thank you. Just give yourself the gift of not needing to do that. You are. That's nice. 
a parent with a new baby. Like, just don't. I do often write thank you cards and I have my kids do. And I think it's a nice thing to do. Yeah. But as the person who gives to someone who's going through something, I don't expect it. Mm-hmm. And I will not have any kind of frustration or resentment if they don't send them. I don't I don't want to be that person who's like, oh, I did this thing for them and they didn't thank me. And they might not even remember. Like yeah. the other suggestion I was going to have, if you are taking something homemade, do it in a container they don't have to return. Yeah. I'm not one for disposables, but then I will often say the container is a gift too, because I do remember trying to keep track, not because yes. anyone asked me to, but that's just the kind of person. Whose Tupperware was this and who brought what? And, mm-hmm. and that was like overwhelming. And that is like, the last thing I needed to be worrying about. And also I was worrying about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think anything you do to save up that mental space, which um, you did just recently during all this COVID stuff, you brought us a meal because of our kitchen teams. Max looks at me as our night, mine and Max's and Max looks at me and says, Hey, uh, so dinner tonight. And I said, Oh, I forgot to tell you, you know, Devin is bringing. And I told him what restaurant, what you were bringing us. And Max's face just lit up like, oh, oh, number one, because Max likes that food. Number two, it was, oh, oh. And then Max looks at me and says, oh, that's so nice of her. (laughs) And so it was like, I I don't know, like it it was, we didn't even have to think, you know, it just, here's what I'm bringing. Like, thank you. Bless you. (laughs) And if you do think to tell someone that, not feeling obligated, like that's so sweet. Mm-hmm. My friend Kathy brought us popsicles when we were sick and she, I didn't even know, like she had messaged and said, can I drop stuff off? And then I didn't respond. And she said, all right, don't worry about it. I'm coming. And so yeah. it was popsicles and a couple other small gifts. And Daniel was also sick and had a popsicle that night and said, who brought these again? And I said, Kathy. And he said, people are so nice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But that's part of it too, right? Like we are modeling this receiving and giving. Yeah. Or and with our kids too. So that's a push to accept it as mm-hmm. well. To accept it, to accept it graciously. Um, all of this, how we ask for help, how we accept help, how we give help. Are there, like you said, no strings, no conditions, no anything. Like when you give a gift, that's it. When I give something to someone, done. It's mm-hmm. like... I am not going to now, it's not tit for tat. It is not nothing. I just, I don't know. I guess I've seen people in my life get very like, I did this thing for them and they didn't thank me. And I have to remember yeah. if they ever do it. At least that's how I am. I'm always thinking that with, if I'm ever on the receiving end, gosh, I don't want someone doing for me and then talking to someone else about how yeah. they did for me and I didn't whatever. And I'm sure people do, but. Well, when I know someone is like that, if they do give me something, I'm now a little nervous. Yes. And it's, it's, I'm, 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 there's a tightness in my stomach and it's yep. like, okay, I have to handle this the right way. I have to now think about how to respond in a way that is pleasing to that person. So then that's not, that's the strings, right? That's the, mm-hmm. so I, I want to model for my kids that I, I don't, I don't want them to hear me say anything like I did this thing for them and they didn't, or I, that phrase after all I've done for you. Okay. Right. Well, well why'd you do it? So I always, I have this conscious thing when I do something for someone, I do it because I want to do that thing, not because I have an expectation in return. So sometimes I think back on friendships that have ended. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe not well. And I can think of things they've done for me and I've done for them. And I choose to look at that without resentment, without, 
man, I wasted so much time and I did all these things for, no, I won't. I, because if I could go back in time, I would have done it again. Yeah. Because what I was doing at the time was authentically what I wanted to do. So mm -hmm. I don't harbor resentment for having done something nice for someone, even if later maybe that friendship fell apart or whatever, I, it's still coming from an authentic place. So that's that also speaks to the lack of strings or conditions mm -hmm. uh, with gift giving. Just just get rid of them. Don't don't just give a gift. <laughs> just yeah, give help and just stop. <laughs> stop expecting something in return. It's again like we keep saying over and over again. It is about the person, not about mm -hmm. you or us. Another thing that can be helpful is to ask, say there's somebody you want to help, but you're not, maybe you don't know them very well, or you don't know what would be helpful or how mm -hmm. they will receive it. I will often try to think about a mutual friend we have or relative or something of theirs that I feel like I could go to and say, listen, I want to do something, but I don't know them very well. Yeah. Could you help me know what would be good to do or good to avoid? So you can check in with people so that you know better how to handle something. Yeah. And sometimes you can collaborate on things too. If, if it is a mutual friend, maybe you go in together or I'm going to take something one night and you can do it the other once you do now. And that's that circle of support, right? Mm -hmm. You're not asking the person in need what they need. You're asking yes. someone outside of that situation how to best help. Yeah. The circle of support and knowing our limits are a good way to keep and respect our own boundaries while also helping other people. And it's like, I've, I've done things like I would, I'm better giving, taking a meal or some comforting items more so than maybe like doing childcare, mm -hmm. uh, bringing a bunch of toddlers into my house is going to be very anxiety provoking for me. So when you have someone in your circle of friends, that that is their strength, they do the childcare, you do the meal. It's still getting covered. Mm -hmm. um, it's play to your strengths, which is such a, a principle of ours in relationships and parenting and all that sort of thing. Um, sometimes, you know, we talk a lot about the hands-on logistics of the help that can be needed, meals and phone calls and those kinds of things. And I, that always, I think, tops my list because of the bandwidth it saves. Depending on the person and your relationship, remember that sometimes your presence, your hug, your smile, your I'm thinking of you text, mm -hmm. those sort of more intangible, they're not things, they're not products, they're not something you deliver, um, but they are meaningful. And I know when I when I had my miscarriage, I didn't, I didn't really want to see anybody. I was grieving. And I, I remember there was a knock at the door. Mark answered it. He said, Stacy, it's for you. And I remember kind of thinking, what? Like, I don't know who's here. I don't know if I have it in me. But again, it was my old college roommate. We were still living in our college town at the time. She looked at me. She put her arms out. She gave me the most, the tightest hug. It's still, it's like burned in my memory what a wonderful hug this was. And she sat with me for a bit and cried with me. So I think I enjoyed her visit. It was nice to have that visit, even though I think I would have thought I didn't need it. So again, it mm -hmm. depends on the relationship and it depends on that sort of thing. Um, like it's taking the thoughts and prayers and making them into an action. So sending texts to let them, to remind them that you're thinking of them. No need to reply. Just want you to know I'm thinking of you. Or here's a story about the person who passed that I'm remembering. Or I had a lot of people write cards that I wasn't in the frame of mind to read during, but I have cherished after. And it actually mm -hmm. helps 
trigger some memories where I might have otherwise taken a while to undig some of those. So anytime you can take the fact that you're thinking of them and put it into action or writing or leave a voicemail um, Mm -hmm. that they can listen to and play back or yeah, physically showing up. So that's what makes it beyond thoughts and prayers. So Devaney, do you have an extracurricular? Yeah, I just wanted to talk about the app Clue, which is for those who menstruate to track their cycles. And it's been super helpful for me to learn to listen to my own body. So at first I had it just to track and kind of predict, but the other day I was just not feeling great. And I thought, I'm not feeling great today. And then I I started to kind of almost try to dismiss that. Why am I thinking that? I, I'm not sick. I, you know, I'm not tired. And then I just happened to open up the Clue app and look, and I was at a time in the month when, yeah, something in my body was saying, not 100% here. And the um, app verified that and validated it. And it allows me to plan for times when I need to give myself space and time and patience and also to plan for other times when I know I probably will be at my best. And another plug here for women ruling the world. <laughs> it's nice to be, you know, the two of us uh, working together. We can talk about that and plan for that. And mm-hmm. and one of the big reasons, I, I there's so many reasons why I think women should run the world, but um, that's one of them is just this understanding and compassion. So I like that we each use that app for ourselves and we even use it with each other for Cardigan Academy planning. Um, yeah. Which is great. So my extracurricular is uh, that throughout the pandemic, there have been two social media pages that have been very informative for me. I like my the way my anxiety plays out is I read a lot. The more informed I am, the safer I can keep everyone. <laughs> um, and so I, Dear Pandemic is one and your local epidemiologist is the other. I don't know why it took me this long to either realize that she had a newsletter or to sign up for the newsletter, but I signed up about a week and a half ago for the email newsletter from your local epidemiologist. All of these pages, by the way, also run by women. Um, she sends out a news. I don't even know how often I get it every couple days, I guess. Maybe it's daily. I don't even know, but she's so good at explaining science and data in an understandable way. She mm-hmm. makes it accessible. She makes it easy to understand. It's not super long. She has pictures where needed. She gets to the point. And I think what I really like about her newsletters is I always know that I am getting the most pressing information about the pandemic because there's so much out there. You can, mm-hmm. you, you know, the pandemic, here's what's happening in Brazil and here's what's happening in India and Israel. And, but the UK says this and this variant and that and 10, you know, two months down the road, this is, she, when I get that newsletter, I know here is the most pressing thing to know, the most important thing to know, and how to keep safe. And it's all right there in little bite-sized bits that are easy to understand. So I am a huge fan, and I definitely encourage people to sign up for her newsletter if you want to be someone who stays informed and knowledgeable about the pandemic, but doesn't want to get overwhelmed by it all. Rely on the newsletters from your local epidemiologist. 
If you're interested in learning more about parenting, education, and mental health from our therapist teacher team, check us out at cardiganacademy.com. And we are also on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Mm -hmm.